Hello, podcast world. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. And thanks for tuning in to episode number 25. And our guest today is Cheryl Bates. And Cheryl is actually a good friend of both Jill's and mine, and we adore her. She is a wife and a mom to two. She is a dental hygienist who's now a college professor to dental hygienists. And she is a blast to be around. You guys are going to love her. There's so much laughter. That's what we think of when we think of Cheryl is just laughing. Um, You're also going to hear a story about what it's like when your child is dating someone or doing something that feels off. And how do you navigate that as a parent? So listen in to Afraid Not. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks for coming. Hi, Jill. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> we are really excited that you're here, not only because you're just so much fun and you're our friend, but because your story is going to be the kind of story that people out there listening can gain encouragement and help. And there may be some moms listening that are saying, oh, thank you, Lord. I needed to know exactly what Cheryl's sharing with this situation, with particularly one of the things you're going to share about. So... We're just excited to have you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm married to Patrick for 24 years, Mm -hmm. and we have two wonderful children. Madison is almost 20, and she is a sophomore at OBU and Shawnee, Oklahoma Baptist University, studying business management. And a little fun fact about Madison is that she has my birthday. She does. She was born on your birthday. She was my twenty sixth birthday present. Oh, that's awesome! I didn't know that either. Yes. How fun to share a birthday! I know it's a lot of fun. And then my son Nathan, he's fifteen, and he is a freshman at Owasso High School and on the tennis team. And um, rumor has it that there are certain girls in our youth group who think he's very cute. We got to put a stop to that. Put a stop to it now. I've heard it spoken. I had some people in my house just Sunday night. Oh, goodness. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, how did you and Patrick meet? We met at college. At, it was then called um, at the BSU, Baptist Student Union. Mm-hmm. And so now the colleges call it BCM. And um, he is. What college? Uh, University of Louisiana at Monroe is what it's now called. When we were there, it's Northeast Louisiana University. So, you know, we go through some changes. And um, he is six years older than I am. So oh, scandalous. I know. Wow. We should not have met in college, but <laughs> Mr. Patrick did not know what he wanted to do. And so he took a little bit longer in he college. Took a long route. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he was there because it's really wonderful that he could meet you and that you all could have your whole life together. There we go. Yes. So we are from Louisiana. That's where we went to school. And then we moved here. About 15 years ago, Nathan was two months old. We had to wait for me to have him in order for us to move here. Oh, wow. So you just came here for a job? or For Patrick's job, yes. Mm-hmm. They closed the office in Monroe and moved us all here to Tulsa. Was it hard to leave Louisiana? It was because, you know, we had our roots there. We had, you know, I'm a planner. And I had everything planned out. Madison was mm-hmm. going to go to that college and free of charge since I taught there. Mm-hmm. I had it all planned out, and that's not the case. 
Yeah. So, so what do you tell us what you do for a living? I'm a college professor. Mm-hmm. I teach dental hygiene and I was in private office as a dental hygienist for five and a half years before I made the switch over to education side of dentistry. And I've been teaching ever since we moved here for 15 years. That's so cool. I think your students are very blessed to have you in class. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Tell us some things that you're passionate about or that you do for ministry. I love to go on mission trips and especially international mission trips. And just in July and August of this year, I was able to go on a medical missions trip that our church had to Peru. And that was so much fun and so rewarding to be able to work with um, two different dentists in Peru. And uh, Robin's dad was on my team. That's right. Yes. Yes. Telling jokes every moment, I'm sure. Every moment. The dad joke. (laughs) Yes. He has those. A lot. And I'm sure he did a lot of singing. He did. And a lot of playing guitar. Oh, I love it. Yes. It was such a wonderful experience. And then Robin and I have been to Nicaragua. Yes. That was a fun trip with the Ambassador Baseball team. Yes. That was amazing. Yes, and my son Nathan was able to go both years that I went, and then the last year I went, also my daughter went. So that was a lot of fun, getting to serve Mm -hmm. internationally with them and see them work in that atmosphere. And then Jill and I went (laughs) to New York City together on a mission trip last year. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) We got to know each other very well, and we came up with this game for the airport. And we don't have time to really go into it right now, but let's just say if you're bored at an airport... (laughs) You want Jill and Cheryl with you. Yes, you do. And we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Except for our youth, we're like, what is wrong with the two of you? (laughs) And you, I think you're also involved in our youth group, right? At church and leadership and and assisting with all the youth events, right? I am. I have been teaching out at youth for, gosh, I don't know, several, several years maybe four or five, I really don't remember. And um, they are now on Wednesday nights in that capacity. I was Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, and so taking a little break from Sunday mornings. But I've moved from children's ministry to youth ministry and you know, on a few little teams at church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're always involved in some kind of something at church. I am. You know, I'm nosy. <laughs> One of my funny memories that I love that I share with you, Cheryl, is one of the times that we were both sponsors at Falls Creek together. And um, it was late at night, very late (laughs) at night, and some girls next door to us were doing the little... What was it? Yee yee. Yes. <laughs> Some yes, sound that was it. Yee yee. <laughs> and they kept doing it. And they kept doing it. And they kept doing it. And the sweet and nice Robin was gone. Yes, <laughs> gone. she was. And I think I got up and said, that is enough or something like that. I don't know. Not I very think you started at girls. That is enough. <laughs> I love when the teacher Robin comes out. Oh, That's it was awesome. awesome. I had <laughs> never Robin seen that side. like, she's so nice. Is she always so nice? I'm like, I've seen her teacher So, Cheryl, out. you were teasing me so bad the next morning. It was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're right. I did that. Oops, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no. It was great. <laughs> it let me know that you're human because you always have a smile. <laughs> and so such... You do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Such a gentle spirit that I went, man, I like this girl. Yes. <laughs> and a little known fact, my daughter is the one that started that yee yee that <gasps> night. Oh my so fun. This brings us right back to our story today. I that love, is I love funny. That. Yes. So, funny. <laughs> so tell us 
about something of a time that something got frayed or knotted? So my frayed moment is not just my story, but it's also my daughter's story, Madison. So when you asked me to be a guest on this podcast, it was clear to me what I wanted to speak about, but out of respect for my daughter, I wanted to get her permission Mm -hmm. since it's both of our stories. And obviously she said yes, because I am here. And I also had her write down some of her thoughts of this time in our lives and um, I will interject her thoughts throughout, you know, a few little sentences here and there of kind of what she said that she was feeling during that time and experiencing. Okay. So this began when she was a high school girl, right? Ninth grade. Ninth grade. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Beginning of ninth grade. And so I refer to this time in our lives as the dark year. Or the other name that I have for it is the year from hell. Mm -hmm. And I don't use that word lightly, but you will see the stronghold that Satan had on my daughter's life during this time. And the stories about deceit, anger, desperation, hope, forgiveness, and then finally restoration. Mm -hmm. And so whenever she, whenever Madison started um, ninth grade, so August of 2014, She started dating this boy, and within a couple of months, my husband and I knew that this was not the right choice of a relationship for her, but she was already in way too deep with that relationship. Can I ask for a moment, what were signals, red flags, or things that you and Patrick talked about that you said to each other, because of these things, we feel that it's best for Madison if she doesn't date him. What were some of those things that you were seeing? Some of them were texts that we saw, mm-hmm. and so I would check her phone. Good. And Good mom, checking the texts. Yes. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Make sure Madison hears that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so some of it was just the, the text that we saw between them. And then a lot of it was her demeanor. She had a huge change in her demeanor, and the little girl that we knew was not the little girl that was now Mm -hmm. living in our house. Mm -hmm. And so her attitude changed. She started pulling away from friends, from family, from God eventually, Mm -hmm. and was just going down this spiral path. Mm, Scary stuff. Very scary. And so because of some of those actions, our trust was broken between us, and it got to a point that we did not allow her at his house due to some of our concerns that we had. Mm -hmm. And then months passed, and she grew farther and farther away from us and her friends and her faith. And I could visibly tell that Satan had a hard grip on her. And she became very cold toward us and was just filled with hate toward us and really anyone around. And so heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking. And this is a point that I asked Madison to interject. And so she wrote that she was blinded by a boy in a relationship, and she could not understand why everyone around her was hurting, or honestly, that she was the cause of that. Mm. And so, in April, so that was August 2014, the relationship started. A few months in, we knew, red flags, this is not good. Was Madison still dating him all this time? Continuously. Okay, and you all had said... You just cannot go to his home. Right. Cannot go to his house. Okay. Right. Um, we did allow him in our house because it was a controlled environment mm-hmm. because um, he lived just across the street in another subdivision. And so 
it was easy access. She could walk there, which is part of my story mm. of her getting to go to his house because of sneaking out and things like that. And so even though we did not want her in this relationship, we were trying to control variables of it mm-hmm. to not keep pushing her further and further away. Sure. And that was one of the variables that we thought we could control was at least if you're going to see him, you're going to be at our house. Because it's a hard balance as parents when they're dating somebody that yes. you go, if I forbid this, does that make them want to be with them even more? Exactly. Do I just accept it? Like, it's a hard thing to navigate. Yes. And so we did hard. not know this family when they started dating. So it was it was not like we had a relationship with this family to begin with. Um, so we were learning each other as well, learning, learning the, you know, the guy and learning the mm-hmm. family structure and dynamics and and all of that. And, you know, there were times where I would talk to them about my concerns and I didn't know who they were, but I was just so desperately trying to hang on to Madison that I was like, you know, I'm just going to mm-hmm. see if I can talk to them and introduce myself. And here's some concerns I have. And mm-hmm. I did that a few times in the relationship as well. How did that, how was it received? It was received well, um, but you, we just had different actions following the conversations. So then in April of 2015, that was our boiling point. And by this time, her lying and sneaking around was just all too common. And since he lived so close, she could walk there. So if my husband and I weren't at home, you know, we wouldn't know. And Mm -hmm. she could walk and see him. And literally every day we were filled with hurt, disappointment, anger, yelling, and disbelief. And so April is when prom is. And so prom was coming up and, you know, things were just continuously getting worse and worse and worse. And because of a lot of lies that she was caught in around prom, she was continuously losing privileges that related to prom because I you know, didn't know what else to do because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't really ground her. Um, I felt you knew that prom was such an ex- a thing she was looking forward to, so that made sense. Yes, this is the logical consequence. You know, the privileges that go along with it, you could gradually right make that go away, hoping that that would get exactly attention. Yeah. <clears throat> so we um, part of the privileges were, you know, first the makeup appointment was taken away, mm-hmm. and then the hair appointment was taken away, and the nails appointment was taken away. And um, it was a friend of mine who was doing her hair. And so just a few days before prom, I called her and, you know, explained to her just a brief synopsis of the situation of just, you know, I've, I've got to be a parent. And I know this hurts you because it hurts your business because I knew she turned away girls from hair because she was booked. Mm-hmm. You know, I told her I'd pay her for her time that she didn't get. And, um, you know, she was so gracious and so just encouraging and encouraged me with tough love, understood, and, Mm -hmm. you know, called it good. And so the day of prom, my son had a baseball tournament in Bixby, which is about 40 minutes away. And my husband and I took separate cars so that after the game, or I would have to leave early from the game, I could get home and finish, right, help her get ready, do the mom thing of taking pictures and all Mm -hmm. of that. And whenever I went to leave, I just had this gut feeling And I just knew. I was like, something's not right. Mm -hmm. And so I pulled out my phone and tracked her. Mm -hmm. And her little shining dot was at his house. And so the day of prom. Now, 
at that time, I did not know he was not there. It was um, his sister who was doing her makeup and things like that because she had lost all of those privileges. But our rule was still, right. because of concerns, we don't want you there. And mm-hmm. so she you know, was disobedient about that. Well, all I saw was her dot at his house, and I just right. lost it. Yeah. How would you know? Yes. And so... And this is following times that you had caught her in. Yes. In deceptive times. So you didn't think, oh, it's, he's probably not even there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. That had not been the past behavior. That, yes. That's not where my first thought was. It was, she's, she's lied again. She's you know, snuck out, went to his house again. And what else am I going to take away? Because mm-hmm. I've already taken everything away. And so, um, you know, I was just livid on the drive home. I called my husband. He's still out in my son's baseball game, and I'm just losing it on the phone driving home. Mm-hmm. And so we agree. The last thing is prom. So prom is taken away. Oh. That is tough love. That is tough love, Mama. Whew. That was, that was hard. Yeah. And since... My husband was still at the game. I got to be the one to deliver that news to Mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. So I got home, and, you know, she was all dolled up. She looked beautiful with her hair and her makeup, and she just needed to put her dress on. And so I sat her down and, you know, told her that I know you were at his house, and that is just a deliberate disobedience. And so there's nothing else to lose except for prom. Like, I've I've tried everything. Mm -hmm. And so I told her, you're not going to prom. And to say she was devastated is an understatement. Mm-hmm. And so that was a rough time. Oh, it must have been an awful night. It was horrible. And I made her call him in front of me. And so, again, lots of trust broken. And so I made her stay downstairs, and she called him and, and told him that she wasn't going. And, of course, I was not his favorite person, nor my daughter's at that time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I made her stay downstairs as well. I didn't want her going back upstairs because that was her pattern is that we would never see her. Um, that was part of that disconnect and pulling away. She was always she was upstairs. Going into her yes, mm-hmm. yes. And um, so I told her she had to stay downstairs with me. And, you know, that's not the place you want to be whenever you are so angry at your mom. And so she was in the kitchen and I was in the living room and I can see in the kitchen from there. And I saw her writing in a notebook. And in my naive head, I was like, she gets it. She finally gets it. She's writing me an apology letter. (laughs) Oh, that was not it. (laughs) But that is what I'm thinking. I finally got through to her. And she gets Mm -hmm. it, and this is going to be better. No. So she left the notebook open in the kitchen. And later that night, I looked to see what she wrote, thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm so sorry, Mom, and things like that. And I cannot put into the words... The desperation that I felt whenever I read the things that she wrote, which were... Was it a letter to you? No. It was was, was just like a journal writing. It was just random statements. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, why am I here? My family... My family would be better off without me. I'm no good. And things of that nature. So definitely not an apology letter. It was fear that took over. As I read that, and my heart just sank. And I knew that I had already lost my baby girl 
to the world because of Satan's grip that he had, and we could visibly see that. And I was so scared that I was about to lose my baby girl from the world. Mm. That's, that's rough. So scary. It is a very scary time for a parent to think, is your child thinking that they don't belong here and they should not be part of this earth? Mm-hmm. Very scary. What did you do? So I called a good friend of mine, Christy, and I was just pouring out my heart and, and crying to her. And, and she's a woman of faith. She's a very good friend of mine. And she, you know, talked me through different things and, and encouraged me and prayed with me. And then that week that followed, prom was, I, I would say, would be the most difficult up to that point, the most difficult because every time I walked into the house, I was just thinking, well, Madison, be here. I don't know. What am I about to open the door to? And that is scary wow, as a parent. that's devastating. Oh. And was Madison still very angry at this point? Very, very cold. Yes. Cute. Very cold, very angry. And, um, and her thoughts during that time that she shared with me, um, she said, once it got to the point that my parents told me they weren't going to support me financially anymore, and so let me explain that real quick, <laughs> we were not kicking her out, but it was, um, you know, if you don't have money, you can't leave and do things, mm-hmm. and why are, you, are we going to reward this behavior and let you go and do things? Mm-hmm. And so you're, right. you're at the house, and so there's no funds to go and do anything. You know, we have a roof over your head and meals here. There's no reason to leave this house because everything that you need is provided, mm-hmm. and you haven't earned anything extra. And so that's what she meant by support me financially anymore. And she said, I felt as if I had become a complete waste of time to my parents, and I was worthless. Mm-hmm. And I chose to stick with my boyfriend because he gave me a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, Satan had tricked her yes. and deceived her. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so my husband and I both confronted her about the notebook and you know, tried to affirm to her that she had worth and that we loved her, but we could not keep living like this. It, we just could not. It was, it was not fair to my son. It was not fair just to the household, um, right? To her friends. It, it was everyone in the life in her life suffered mm-hmm. because of actions. Mm-hmm. And so we were just like, we've we've got to do something about this. And not that we didn't try all these other months leading up, and we sure. we tried, but it was just to that breaking point after the notebook, right? And so I had. She, by that time, she was just so beat down um, from her boyfriend, not physically, but just emotionally, you know, emotionally yes, mm-hmm. yes, emotionally and mentally um, very manipulating, mm-hmm. um, that she was the receiving end of, you know, manipulation. Her boyfriend manipulated yes. her on a regular basis? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's what she knew. That was her, as she said, her belonging, and so, which was just a very toxic relationship. And so I, um, you know, there was just, you know, more lies, more deceit. It was just a really dark time in our life. And Patrick and I were in constant prayer. And, and I remember one day at church, um, this song, In Christ Alone, we sang this song. And I know tears were just streaming down my face, 
singing that song because that that is what I was holding on to. Mm-hmm. And part of that song is saying, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He's my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. And that's what I felt like, you know, we were going through the fiercest storm in our life. Mm-hmm. And we needed to hang on. So what did this do between you and Patrick? Did it draw you closer together? Did it cause dissensions between the two of you at all? We did not have really dissension. Some of the some of the um, punishments, if you will, he felt may have been a little strong, but he supported. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once I gave my viewpoint of this is where we are and this could be the road that we're about to go down and we've got to take this notebook seriously, then... You know, it was just whatever we've got to do. And so so it really did not create a strife between us, which was wonderful mm-hmm. to have someone to lean on and support with right. and to pray with over that. I want to interject that I just want to tell you, I believe you did the right thing to find the journal and read it and act accordingly. So anyone who, who would say, but, but you should never you know, break your child's privacy. You should never read what they wrote. I disagree because your child was not 18 years old. She was not an adult living on her own. She was still in your home. And as her mom, you knew that there were major danger zones that she was she was walking through a minefield, a minefield. And I think you did the right thing to see and move on based on what you read. So I just want to say that, that that's a brave, tough love in itself right Thank there. You. Well, and to me, her leaving the journal on the kitchen counter in the first place yes. is a sign of, I need somebody to see this and do something. Quinn did that one time where she had something, someone in text or something on her phone and she wanted me to see it, but she just was like, she didn't know how to say it. She didn't want to be a snitch or whatever. So she just kind of slid her phone and left it. And I was like, okay. So sometimes I think they give us signals that we have to pick up on of they're asking for help. Yes. And that's what I have come from speaking to other people. And and, um, that was one of the ones that was pouring into me is exactly what she said, is that she left it open there in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. You know, she didn't hide it. Uh, That that was a cry for help. Right. Even a subconscious one. Even if she would have said vehemently, no, it was not. I don't want your help. Yes, it was. So pick us up right there at that part of the story. You're at that Sunday morning, and the the song is moving you so much. And so we, you know, Patrick and I talked. We went down to the altar and, you know, just cried and prayed and was like, what are we going to do? We knew Satan had a clutch on her. Everything we tried has been unsuccessful. And so um, that week, you know, we were doing things trying to help, and, and we just both were like, this, we've, we've got to get other people. We can't keep trying to do this because we're not getting anywhere. We're not being productive. And I will say throughout all of this, another important factor that I will take the blame for is my parenting style. And I've learned so much from this situation because I was a yeller, I, I you know, zero to 60 in 1.2 seconds flat. (laughs) And that just did not work with her personality. And I don't know if that would work with anyone's personality. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, it felt good in the moment, you know, I'm getting all this mm-hmm. frustration mm-hmm. out, but it's just an immediate wall that goes up with your child or whoever it is that you're talking to. And they're not listening to anything you're saying, and you're not being responsible and productive in anything you're saying either. You're just mm-hmm. releasing frustration and anger. And so that was the cycle we were in as well from all of these months. It's just a constant battle of words. Um, and, you know, just trying to overpower with that. And so that I wanted to bring out because I, I learned a huge lesson from that as well. And mm-hmm. I'll get to that in a little bit later of how um, we were able to overcome that part of it. But just, you know, months of deceit and lies and yelling for me in anger, which is just pushing her further and further away into Satan's clutch. And so we, my husband and I talked and, and we decided we needed to bring the church into this because... Mm-hmm. We, we can't do it on our own. And um, we had a fantastic children's minister, Kelly Wehunt, mm-hmm. at our church. Love her to death, and I am yes. forever indebted for the role that she played in this story. And so I called her. It was a Friday morning, all my way to work. I called her just in tears, telling her, you know, the short version of everything that we have been through within the journal. In particular, that was the tipping point. And... Um, asked if she would speak with her because her she and Madison had a great relationship. Madison babysat for her. Mm-hmm. They, you know, she trusted her. Madison trusted Kelly and obviously I trusted Kelly with her wisdom and and what she could offer mm-hmm. this situation. And so Kelly met with her, you know, several times. And to this day, I do not know what they talked about. And that is fine because Madison needed a safe place to talk mm-hmm. and to express her feelings and thoughts right. and to be open with all of that. And obviously I was not that person because I was the too close to it. Too close and nonproductive in my skills of yelling and just letting anger control. And so um, the only thing that Kelly said to me was that, you know, Madison loved me and that was so reassuring to hear because mm-hmm. all these months of fighting. But then she said that her heart was very hard, and this was going to take a lot of time mm-hmm. to overcome. And I mean, obviously, I knew that because I've been living it for months and months. But to hear someone else say that, a little bit was validation, but it was also reassurance because she was also the one speaking into, she left the journal open, mm-hmm. it's a cry for help. Right. And that gave me a sense of peace with sure. that because that was a fear of mine. It was so wise of you to reach out for that help and to seek outside counsel for Madison. That was a very good mama move. <laughs> Thank you. And I also, my friend Christy, who I had talked to you know, the night I found mm-hmm. the journal, um, she also met with Madison, and they have a great relationship. She, you know, Madison's like her daughter. We joke with each other saying that, and um, we were neighbors, across-the-street neighbors, since we moved here. So they had a great relationship. We knew each other well. Christy was another um, female, female influence. That, yes, influence, grounded in faith, mm-hmm. and that could pour into her. And so things did not get immediately better with our relationship, but we did have a hope, and that's what was new, was a hope for this relationship. And then May 16th of 2015 is a pivotal date in this journey. My son had another baseball tournament in Bixby. My husband and I were in different cars, like we typically do, going different paths, trying to catch a little bit of everything. 
And so we took separate cars because I had a wedding to go to that night, Luke and Anastasia Smith's wedding. And um, the plan was for me to go to part of his game and then leave and, you know, go home, get dressed and go to their wedding. And um, his game got through a little bit earlier, so I stayed for all of it, but knew that I had to race home (laughs) to really make the wedding. And on the way to us walking to our cars, Patrick was just mentioning that he had heard about this restaurant that served Cajun food, because remember, we're from Louisiana. Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Even though I cannot stand crawfish, but that is what they were serving. (laughs) (laughs) And he has not had them for 10 years, because we'd been here for 10 years at that point. So it felt like home. It felt like home. (laughs) So he was talking about that and wanting to try that. And I was like, oh, I hate crawfish, but okay. And a miraculous thing happened. Madison spoke up and said, can we go there now? Really? Yes. Did you double take? Like, just talk. It's <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. And so, you know, I had to drop Luke's wedding. Luke and Anastasia, I texted Luke. It was like, you know, we're still at baseball. Something came up. I'll explain later. I, I really never explained later. I had texted Anastasia a few weeks ago or a few days ago to ask her, what is your wedding anniversary? Because I knew it was May of 2015, but I could not remember the date. And I was like, well, I know it's their wedding anniversary. And so she told me, and I told her, something happened that day of why I could not come. And when you listen to the podcast, you'll find out <laughs> what it is. <laughs> so hopefully you'll have one listener to, so she knows why I was not at her wedding. <laughs> So now I remember that date, May 16th, 2015. And so we, you know, we decided, yes, we were going to take advantage of that. She's wanting to spend time with us. Yes. We're going to go. Right. I hate crawfish. We're going to go. Nathan (laughs) hates crawfish. It doesn't matter because we're still going. And so Madison and, and Patrick had their crawfish and they were just in hog heaven with their crawfish. And there's a picture that I took. Madison was in front of this plate of crawfish, and the smile that she had on her face was just radiating. And so I took that picture that day, and I held on to that picture because that picture was my hope because Mm -hmm. I saw a glimpse. You saw that wall come down for a minute. Yes. And that was the Madison you knew was still in there. That was the Madison, Yes. Yes. And so that picture, and she does not know this, if she listens, she will, (laughs) that that picture, every time I see it, I think of that time, May 16th, now I know 16th, May 16th, 2015, that that was the start of the turning point. Mm -hmm. And for her senior collage board, um, I put that picture in something front and center of something I'd made, and I never told her, but that's the that's reason why, why mm-hmm. I put that picture there, mm-hmm. because of what it means to me every time I see it. So significant. And so she, Madison was, we would get glimpses of the old Madison. And so, you know, May was the starting point, but it was definitely a long road. So it was an immediate, no. I'm back. No, there was a glimpse, and then to be back to her old self, you know, pulled Mm -hmm. back into that environment and with my environment of parenting the wrong way as well. And so we had to learn to overcome that. We would get glimpses. We would get glimpses where she would be her old self, where she would be with friends and family, and we could see that she was starting a relationship with God again, but then it would go away. And so we would just hang on. Every time we caught a glimpse, we would just hang on to that for our hope 
that another one would come. Sometimes it was days, sometimes it was weeks, but we just, that was our hope. Mm -hmm. And she was still meeting with Kelly and Christy. And by this time, um, Pam Wilson, who was, I know she's been on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes, we love Pam Wilson. I love Pam. And um, she has a great relationship with Madison. And there was one day after church, I believe it was Wednesday night, that her and I just sat on the curb and just talked and cried and and, um, you know, she said that she would step in and encourage Madison and because they had that trust relationship as well. And she mm-hmm. could speak into her when I couldn't. And I had to realize that I've, I've got to let go, that I can't control this. And I'm a controller. And so I've got to let go. And I've got to let Kelly take her and Christy take her and Pam take her. I've got to trust these other women to take her and to pour into her. Mm-hmm. And stand by and watch, and and lots of prayer, but just stand by and watch because by that time our relationship was, was just basically non-existent. That we were trying to rebuild mm-hmm. that, and so I love that I had those people that I could reach out to, and that they re- answered the call and responded right. to that, and could mm-hmm. speak into her and and love on her and and inspire her and encourage her. And so, like I said, with my yelling and anger and all of that, um, during these, these months that was starting the healing process, Madison pointed out some areas in my parenting style that needed improvement. And even though, you know, it's never hard, I mean, it's never easy. Never easy. That. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's right. never easy to hear, but it was the truth. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I needed to hear it and I needed to be receptive to that and not use yelling and anger as as my weapon of parenting. And so I had to learn how to communicate effectively for her. And I was still fostering that broken relationship, trying to restore that relationship. And at this all of this time she was still with her boyfriend. All these months that have gone by. All these months, right. yes. Still with him. And so, you know, we're still dealing with that, but I'm I'm feeling like I need to walk on eggshells because we're starting the repair process, but mm-hmm. it was not immediate and it needed to be fostered. And um, I didn't want to just immediately go back and you know turn her off and build a wall when we we're trying right. to do that. And mm-hmm. so that was a tricky situation to navigate through that, which is part of me having to let go and let others speak into her as well. And because I needed to work on myself. As well, but that's big that you're receptive to hear that from her because sometimes it's hard as a parent when our kids are reflecting something back to us that yes. we're like, I don't want you to tell me. That. <laughs> but no. the fact that you're receptive to that and listened and took it in—that's that's a big deal. Well, it took months of her telling me that. Uh, that was not the first time she told me. <laughs> but I bet over that that time period of you gradually really changing. Yes. I bet that that really helped her to feel heard. I believe it did. My mom is hearing me. She's not ignoring what I'm saying. And I think a lot of the times our our growing kids that are reaching for adulthood, but they're still teenagers, but they're in that awkward in between, they really want to be validated as a heard voice. They, they don't want to just be your kid, little, you know, children should be seen and not heard. They right. want to have the deep talks. They want to be validated. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I 100% agree. And, and I believe that she could see that I was putting in the effort. Putting the effort trying. Yeah. And it was not an immediate, you know, um, change on my part because 
that's how I've been parenting for 15 years, almost 16 years. And, and so, you know, I would mess up a lot. Um, but the difference this time was that when I messed up, I could see that, acknowledge that, speak to her about that. And I gave her the freedom to tell me, okay, what, what is it that I did that made you feel this way? How did it make you feel? Mm-hmm. And what could I do differently? How could, how could I have either um, gone into that situation, confronted that situation? Um, did it even need to be confronted? You know, I just gave her that freedom to sure. speak like an adult to me and to be receptive toward that as well. And so she was, was instrumental in me changing that parenting style behavior as well, um, as well as the work I put in. She really played a role, a huge role mm-hmm. in that as well. Mm-hmm. And so together we worked on those parenting skills. And, and then I noticed, you know, so now we're at the start of 10th grade year, okay? And, and I noticed that, you know, it's probably September-ish, and that the boyfriend was coming around less and less. And so it's like, is something is it happening? working itself out? Right. Yeah. Um, but they were still together. But I just noticed that, you know, I didn't hear her on the phone with him as much. He wasn't at her house as much. And, and again, we were still fostering our, our relationship, trying to restore it. And so I didn't want to push mm-hmm. on any of that. So I was just, just going to be a bystander and just kind of see how this is going to play out. But we were definitely in a better place. And moving in the right direction, which is we had not been anywhere close to that. And so another month passed, and she finally recognized that it was time to break up with him. And oh, That's a huge answer to prayer right there. That is a huge <laughs> answer. They were together 14 months. 14 months of this. And she just decided on her own. She decided. I mean, there were, there were other... Mm-hmm. Factors that I won't go into those details, which Do you feel like her. the scales were kind of coming off her eyes, though. Yes, kind of a thing, yes, like slowly, yes, and that she could see what know, everybody else was seeing, yes, and that you that it was a toxic relationship, it was not one that either should be in. And um, there was a time that um, there was a letter that he wrote after she broke up with him. And she could see, like you said, the scales off the eyes. She could see that manipulation in that letter. And I think that's the first time that she really mm. got it mm-hmm. and, and saw that. And um, another good friend of mine, Beth Smither, um, she was a godsend because um, she you know, poured into Madison as well and, and thinks of Madison as her second daughter. And, and she put an alert on her phone noon every day. She prayed for Madison. Wow. Every I love day. that. So she was so dedicated and so disciplined. Beth is so fantastic. I love her. Yeah. And, you know, she met with her also when we would go to the lake, because they were at the lake, and um, would just pour into her as well. And so, again, all of these women that Madison could trust and that would pour into her, I think is really what made a huge difference in the constant prayer on my husband and I's part as well. And then making efforts to change things that we could change in our relationship as well. And so um, while we were ecstatic that she broke up, we were also fearful because this was 14 months. And what if, 
you know, what is that? a week Do later, as you right. know, mm-hmm. that's not what I want anymore. And, and Madison's thoughts during that time, um, which I did not know until I, till she sent me this for this podcast, um, she had said, I decided to break up with my boyfriend after many talks with Pam Wilson, Kelly Weehunt, Christy Wendell. This transition stage was hard because his family hated me now and my parents did not trust me yet. So I felt more alone than I had felt in this whole process. Hmm. And though I couldn't see it at the time, I got through this whole year with my parents' unconditional love and my friends' unconditional love. I do not deserve the group of core girls I have today because they are the ones that stayed with me when I gave them no reason to. And I do not deserve the support of my parents because I've caused them so much heartache. But I'm grateful every day for them and that they are present. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Hang on to that. Yes. Most definitely. That is so beautiful. (laughs) Most definitely. And so then I would argue that I don't deserve Madison because of turmoil that I played in the role with my anger and my yelling and all of that, and that she was able to work with me on that and to overcome that. And so aren't we just so blessed that we serve a God that teaches us how to forgive, yes, how to restore. And reconciliation. Yes. yes. And redemption. Yes. Yes. And so that's <laughs> that final piece of this story is the redemption and the restoration and the relationship that we have. And just a few weeks after... She broke up with him. Um, there was a note on my nightstand when I woke up. And so um, when I read it, it was sometime in November, she wrote, this is another one I've got to hang on to, which I lost it, but I don't know what happened to it. But when I was telling Madison about this podcast, she said, Mom, you, you posted it on Facebook. I remember you did that. <laughs> so this you is the, have it. the one time that I'm so grateful that I put things on <laughs> Facebook. You never know when you might need that. And so I went through the search of the history back to 2015, and I found it. And so this is what it said. Thank you for being such a great mother. I truly look up to you. Thank you for always being on my side no matter what. God has blessed me with such a great family. Thank you for keeping me accountable, too. I love you a lot. And when I read that, I was like, we made it. Yeah. Like that was, we have crossed the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> We've reached that bridge. The dark year is over. The dark year is over. <laughs> and the reason I posted it on Facebook was I had put on there that this note is for the village that helped me parent that would stand in there whenever I couldn't. And so, again, I just cannot stress, like, that would be my takeaway for any listeners. Mm-hmm is to, to get yourself a village or a tribe, a group of like-minded individuals, ladies if you're a lady, men if you're a man, that you can go to without being judged, yes. without any type of, you can say openly what's on your heart and what you need, and you can trust them with that information, and that they are diligent in their response. And when they say they're going to pray, they're, they're going, going to, to pray. pray. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That it's not just, oh, I'll pray for you. And, and then, that they had built a relationship with Madison, too, enough that they yes. were able to say, let us speak into you. Yes. That is also key. Because if it was a stranger, 
I don't think we would have gotten the response that we were able to get right. from those that she loved and had relationships with, like you said. And so by God's grace, we are now at this new place in our family. And that, you know, four years ago, we reached it and we are just excelling and growing What closer. would you say your relationship is with Madison today? Oh my goodness, night and day from this, we are not the dark year. <laughs> we are a fun, fun relationship. Um, just a few weekends ago, I was in Oklahoma City with work and she met me there with a few of her friends to you know, eat dinner and she wants me to meet her friends and to hang out with her friends and they've been to our house. And, um, you know, when I called her to ask her permission about this, because we have not shared this story um, ever publicly and just bits and pieces of it Mm -hmm. to close friends. And, you know, I told her, I said, I'm really feeling convicted. You know, when Jill, when you had texted me asking me, I, some things had happened the last couple of weeks, which is just God orchestrating this. I, I was with Pam at a wedding. I seem to go to a lot of weddings. (laughs) 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 And so I was with Pam at a wedding and, and Pam, Madison, and myself were walking out to our cars after the wedding. And she had said, you know, she just hugged Madison, loved on her. And, um, you know, she looked at me and she said, just remember that time at church that we were on the curb? And I was like, oh, my goodness, that, yes, I do, because you took something when I couldn't take it. And you carried that burden and you helped me through that. And then Kelly Weehunt was recently at our church, so she's moved away, which I'm so sad about. And she was recently at our church. And again, whenever we were, you know, reminiscing and all we, you know, had brought up, thank you for stepping in when I couldn't. And then you get, you texted me, and I was like, okay, I've got these two people who played this <laughs> instrumental role that just out of the blue, I mean, I've seen them many times since 2015, and it never came up, and it you know, just came up within these past few weeks that mm-hmm. I knew this is the story I wanted to tell, but I wanted Madison. Sure, to it's her story too. Yes. Right, right. And so I didn't know how that was, how the response was going to be, and so she was like, sure. And when I asked her, would you write down some things? You know, she's like, okay. And so it's just, it's just a fun, loving, trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what a beautiful. blessing. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so for women who may have children that are dealing with things where they feel like they're pulling away or they're in something toxic, besides having a tribe of people that they can trust, are there any other suggestions you have or red flags that they should look for? Oh, goodness. Um, red flags would be a change in their demeanor. Um, so Madison, she was pulling away. She was spending all of her time in her room or with a guy and not with her family and not with her friends. So family, I, I know with some teenagers that that's sure. normal. You know, it's like, I don't want to hang out with my parents, <laughs> even though we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> They'll discover it later. Right, right. <laughs> Um, but with the friends, like that was really when yeah. I could see that change in her friends um, and her relate not her friends, but her relationship with her friends. That that's that's not what's normal. Usually, they're closer to their friends because they're all you know talking about their parents and what their parents did. <laughs> and so that was a definitely red flags. And then you know the t- the text of be involved, be involved. And um, keep pushing forward. And I mean, there were so many times where I just felt helpless and hopeless. Like there was no way out of this. 
but you've got to keep moving forward and just get in their way as much as you can. I mean, I went and talked to that family that I didn't know who they were, but I was like, well, let me introduce myself and here are some concerns I have. And um, so just be present, be available and um, look within yourself as well. Because I think if I would have put that wall up immediately when Madison had said, well, this is some things you could work on. Right. Then we also would not have the outcome that we have. Right. How sad. That would have been another delay. Yes. Of the restoration if yes. you had not received yeah. those words. So that's a really important step. You're right. Yes. Well, do you have any resources or anything you want to share with us? I have a few verses, and, and I cannot say with certainty that these are the verses that I hung on to during that time because I really don't remember, to be honest with you. Um, I have a 30-minute commute to work, and I know that I listened to um, Christian radio station, um, you know, the whole way there and back and just in, in constant prayer. And so the the songs and the music, that's what really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And then um, there are some Bible verses I want to share. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so that just speaks volumes of what Mm -hmm. Madison and I had to accomplish. And um, Romans 8.26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself makes intercedes for us through wordless groans. I love that verse. And there were so many times where I was just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to pray for. I just need help. And that that was some of my prayers. Lord, help me. Help me. And that's all I could say because that's all I could get out Mm -hmm. was just help me. Mm -hmm. And we serve a God that he knows what we don't know. Right. That we don't have to voice everything because he knows what needs to happen in our heart and our intentions. And we can just say, Lord, help me. And he gets it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. And then I'd already mentioned In Christ Alone, that song. And so I, I love that song. Me too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and sharing the story. Thank we're just, you. We're so glad because I just know some listeners today may be really feeling hopeless and helpless with their relationship with their daughter, like you just described feeling, and to just hear God can restore, and God can move, and God can do more than we ever would have asked or imagined. And um, So I just hope if you're one of those people out there listening right now, just know that the Lord is there with you, and that the hope that He offers is for you and for your family just as much as it was for Cheryl and her family. Thanks, Cheryl, for sharing. Thank you for Madison saying yes. Yes. This is her permission. So we are grateful. We are grateful to Madison, too. Yes. Thank you guys for We just love you, and you're so fun. I love you, too. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go on a mission trip together soon. Okay, let's do (laughs) it. Guys, how much fun is Cheryl Bates? Do not just love her. Um, One of the things that I took away from this was when she talked about effective communication with our kids. It's very important and vital that we do that, that we make sure that our kids, that we're communicating with them correctly and that they're communicating with us. And also, the link that we're going to put in the show notes for the song that Cheryl talked about, that was so instrumental. We just want to recommend that you listen to it right away if you've never heard it before, but In Christ Alone how we really do find our hope, our strength, and our song for life. And that's Cheryl's example. 
She went through this time of darkness, this year that was so hard, and she and Patrick clung to, to Christ alone. And that's how they came through on the other side, through prayer and through tough parenting, tough love. This is an encouraging time for me to think it is worth it to endure with tough love when your situation as a parent is is hard. And like Cheryl's talked about with tough decisions, how to handle the time that Madison was going through. And you are the parent, and yes, you will need to stand firm and be tough and strong, and, and God can help you do that. So we want to encourage you as a parent, whoever's listening, yes, your child needs you to be the love, the parent that's willing to show them that tough love. Absolutely. And please remember to rate and review, subscribe to this podcast, and you will hear from us again in two weeks. See you then. Bye, everyone.